0: Today's reading is from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 24 to 31.
1: Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. then jesus told him because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that jesus is the messiah the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name this is the word of the lord
0: Oh, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for a chance to gather this morning before you. And I pray, Lord, that uh, give us listening hearts to hear, Lord, what you would say to each one of us this morning as we think about your resurrection. Amen. Do you ever um, know those kind of, you ever been like in a situation, I'm sure you have, where, you know, you're listening to somebody talk and maybe they're giving instructions or he's kind of giving some teaching and you're in part of a group and it's clear that he's, you know, he's talking in such a way that you're obviously supposed to understand what's being said. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I don't know what he's talking about. And you're going, did I just drift or what's happening? I just don't know what's happening. And you're thinking, I, I can't ask. You're like, you know, I don't want to stop him. He's flowing right now. I don't want to look dumb, for whatever reason, but you're just going, I don't know what to do because I have no clue what he's talking about. And then you know the kind of person who when they don't get it, they just ask? Right, they're sitting there listening, they don't get it, they go, hey, well, hold on, Why you, what, what do you mean? And you know, it's a certain type of personality, right? I don't know if they don't care what anyone thinks. I don't think they even know what anyone else is thinking. They just know they don't know, and they wanna know. And they just say it. I like people like that. You know, the Apostle Thomas is like that. He's one of those kind of guys. Um, by the way, do you think this is what Apostle Thomas looked like? No way, this is like 1600 Rubens. I love the beard, you know? And I also, yeah, can you imagine that it was actually a book like this at the time of Jesus, you know, reading like that? But I particularly like the sword, which is actually there because traditionally, that's how um, the Apostle Thomas was martyred for preaching the gospel, the sword, I think in India. Now, Thomas gets a pretty bad rap, doesn't he? You hear Thomas and what do you think? Doubting Thomas. What a lousy nickname. You know, in a dictionary, there's a term Doubting Thomas. You can actually look it up. Uh, you know, that is, and it's as if it's some sort of character flaw that he is this guy who did it. And ironic, the ironic part about that is he's actually the character who we're supposed to most identify with. He's the one in that whole account where we, whose shoes we're supposed to sit in. And so you wonder, why is that the case? I think one of the points to really understand what Thomas is about, this is actually the third mention of Thomas in the Gospel of John. And each one helps you understand who is this guy and what he's like, and then we can understand why he said what he did and why I think we fit in his shoes. So that's what we're going to look at. You know, Look at these kind of accounts. Who is doubting Thomas? And why is he the one we're supposed to identify with? So the first time he appears is back in John 11. And this is when Jesus has gotten word that uh, Lazarus is sick. And he tells the disciples, um, you know, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea, you know, back to just outside of Jerusalem. But the disciples said, but uh, the short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you. Yet you're going back there. And you can see this whole conversation they're like trying to talk Jesus out of it. Go, you know, Lazarus is going to be fine. You know, let's not go there. They're going to stone us and try to kill us. Now, here's what Thomas said, though. This is his contribution. Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Isn't he great? That's great. You know, he's not, he's not, he has no interest in trying to take the easy route. This is not who Thomas is about. You know, Thomas is, and he's he's not like doubting the danger. And And we shouldn't doubt the danger either. The disciples aren't being paranoid, right? He went to Jerusalem, what happened? He was crucified. And the other disciples realized that danger. But Thomas is the kind of guy who just is faithful. He's honest about what's happening. He said, you know, I said I was going to follow Jesus and I'm going to do that no matter what happens. He's that kind of guy. It means going to my death and that's what I will do. There's a courageousness, a faithfulness, and honesty about Thomas, which is amazing. But there's also here, I think, implied, not just with Thomas, but with all the disciples, this sense of they don't actually really know who Jesus is just yet. The assumption is that you know he's just, he's a man, right? He's a man who is the promised one of God, the Messiah, great teacher, miracle worker. But when they go to Jerusalem, And if he gets stoned and attacked, there's really nothing that he can do about it. You know, this is, they still have a very limited view. Great man, but nothing more. Now you come to the next account, is he's in Jerusalem now. It's kind of like the, depending on the Gospels, the Last Supper and that kind of discussion, maybe just after it. And Jesus has been telling them that, hey, you know, he's going to suffer. They're going to suffer. Uh, Bad things are going to happen. But then he says to him in John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Picture all the disciples sitting around him, Jesus confidently saying, you know this. You know what's going on. One of the most amazing promises, powerful scripture. But then Thomas speaks. And Thomas says, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thomas said, ah, one question here, I'm not getting. Um, Lord, we don't know where you're going so how can we know the way? Isn't that a great question? It's like he's given this really powerful teaching. No, 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 no. I I have no idea what you're talking about. The father's house, room, I got none of it. None. I don't know the place. I don't know where we're going. Nothing, right? I love that. I mean, that's who Thomas is. Thomas is going, it all sounded powerful, but I got no idea what you're talking about. And you start to understand they really don't have any idea really who Jesus is. They know, like he's the Messiah, great teacher, promised one of God, but really who he is and what he's promised and what he's going to do, nothing. Now, Jesus answers them back, right, and says, listen, to Thomas, and to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, Jesus again and again throughout the Gospels made these incredible statements about himself, but they're just like, still, I, just, I cannot grasp. And there's even more questions, you know, I cannot grasp what you're talking about and what this really means. It's too much, it's too big, so you don't blame them. And now you come to the account that we read earlier, that who's he read, in Cassia. Um, you know, she, so there, the crucifixion has happened. And you can imagine, they thought this is like, we followed you, Like were we wrong? What happened? All, all our dreams, all, everything we were thinking, everything we've been doing for these years, following you, crushed, gone. Do we believe all wrong? What happened? We're under threat. They're under threat. You know, just all the dreams smashed, right? And then what happens? Jesus rises from the dead. And he appears to the women at the grave. And they go back and say the grave's empty. But then Jesus, it says on the first day, appears in the room with the disciples. You know, it says the doors are closed and Jesus just appears pierced hands and pierced in his side, and they say, he's alive, right? He is alive. Now, Thomas wasn't there. So you're Thomas, right? And they all run to you and say, he's alive, he's alive. You know, he's alive. And, and Thomas is like, you know his personality. He's like, what are you talking about? I can't be, how can, you know, it's, he's not cynical, right? goes, I can't believe that. How can I believe that? He died. He's crucified. I saw him crucified. He's not alive. How could he be alive? And it says it's all the way until one week later that this incident happens. So for an entire week, he sat around all the disciples who were clamoring and talking about how Jesus is alive. And he sat there in the midst of them going, I can't believe Right? Whole week hearing everyone else say this amazing experience they've had, but he's like, I haven't had it. And then one week later, also on the Sabbath day, which is the interesting thing that he appears on that thing, then the first day of the week again, boom, he comes into that closed room just like he did before. And what does he do? He goes right to Thomas and says, Put your hands in my side. Put your hands, feel this. Jesus went to him and knew his exact question, right? He knew the exact thing he asked. He went right to it and directed to him. And then what does Thomas say? Makes the most profound confession in all, probably in all of scriptures. It is the climax of the Gospel of John. He says, my Lord and my God. Sums up, at that moment, He got it, right? At that moment, all of it made sense. All these incredible statements that Jesus had been making, that they couldn't conceive, they couldn't imagine. But now that he is dead, buried, and risen before his face, you are my God. Not even just God. You are my God. And keep in mind, the Jewish people, right, are the last people to ever make a confession like this. Right you know, other, you know, man pagans or whatever thought there were God-men or kings or something like that. But the Jewish people said, no way. You don't even make an idol like in the image. You don't even make a picture like God. He is transcendent. He is utterly other. You know, he is the creator of the universe. He is omniscient, omnipotent, um, you know, um, omnipresent. But yet he says, this man in front of me in flesh and blood who I can touch is God. And Thomas uniquely does that, right? Because Thomas, if it is true and if it is real, then that's what it is. No matter if it goes beyond my mind, beyond my conception, beyond what I can do, this is, he is standing right in front of me and it is true. He is God. And then then John in his gospel then immediately pivots right after the scene. And where does he pivot to? He pivots to us. He says, Jesus did many other miraculous things in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these, these are written, for what reason? So that you, so that me, that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, which is God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Life, which is the true life, enter into the real life, the life of knowing God, being in fellowship, and that transcends these bodies and in the moment. Now, so you see that Thomas is representing us. Do you see that? He's the one who walks around like we did, not knowing, not hearing, hearing everyone else say it, getting the report of this thing. And then for us, he asks the question, he has the objection we have and his objections Answered, And we can look to Thomas and say, he didn't believe, but because Thomas has seen this, Thomas knows this, I can. Now you may say, but, 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 uh, yeah, I want to see his hands and feet too. I want to see all this thing. Jesus actually addresses that, right? He said, Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. They told me they were going earlier. They have seen and believed. It's good. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. All right. Focus. Focus. Good. Um, So clearly Jesus is saying you can believe though you haven't seen. Right. He actually says blessed are the ones who weren't standing here and yet believe. And that's where it comes into us. You know, and keep in mind, Thomas is not, you know, Thomas is not uh, cynical, right? What a cynic is, is a cynic is a person who just has a reason why they don't believe or doesn't think that's true, but they don't really wanna know what is true, right? When you really know someone's cynical and they have a, some kind of objection, or reason they can't believe, and you give them a good reason, they just can move on to reason number two, as if they didn't even engage that one, or something happens, like, yeah, yeah, but what about this thing? Because they're not looking to believe. That's not Thomas's issue. Right? Thomas wants to. He is faithful. He believes that. But he just goes, I just can't. As soon as he can, that's it. He's faithful and he does it. What we can understand for ourselves is, especially this text, is that God's not afraid of our questions, right? To have questions and to wonder and to not know whether it's true is okay because God knows them and is the same way that God immediately responded and gave Thomas what he needed. God gives us what we need to believe. It says, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. Ask and it will be given to you. You know, when you seek me, you'll find me. When you search for me with all of your heart. You know, there's a promise that God says, God wants you to see and to know and to believe. And he knows what you need. But the question is, when God gives you what you need, will you have the courage to then follow him and the conviction? You know, I just close with a story. I've told this story before people in the church, but whenever I think of this question, the same story comes to mind. And it's when I was um, traveling on a music team through Florida, or through Georgia, actually, and a guy asked to see me. He was a Jewish guy who has been thinking about Jesus. He knew I believed in Jesus, and he wanted to sit down, and he said, you know, for 10 years I've been asking this question, could Jesus really be the Messiah? And he said, if God would just give me a sign, I'd believe, and at that moment, I said, you know, most people who ask for a sign have already seen a sign. And he goes like this, he goes, oh, you're not gonna believe this. And I went, try me. <laughs> and he, he goes, I, I, he was, he's a policeman and he was on an island off of Savannah and he had lost his dog and he was hunting for two hours for his dog on the island. And he said, you know, he's thinking about God, you know, think about this whole Jesus question. He goes, okay, God, if you're real, And if Jesus is really the Messiah, let me find my dog or find the dog. And he says, as soon as he stopped praying that, the dog shot out of the bushes right towards him. And yet here he sits with me months later, still saying, God, if you would just show me a sign. You know, God will give us each what we need. And you, know, you may say, well, I have this sign that I need from him. I need him to do this. And this. this is the creator of the universe. He owes us nothing. In his grace and mercy, he wants to give us what we need. And, and even those things that happen on the outside are just so you can have the conviction on the inside. Most of us, I think, just have that little conviction that just says, I just know he's real, and I know it's true. And that's all you need. I had a friend who said, I just felt like, I don't know, I just suddenly felt warm inside, and I knew it was real. The question is, what will you do with that then? You know, the gospel story, Easter, is about an invitation. An invitation to believe in him and to have life in his name. It's okay to have questions. And God is willing to answer your questions. But when you receive those answers, will you follow him? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we bless you and praise you, Lord. We thank you for the testimony that we read. We thank you for Thomas' questions and the way you answered them, O oh, Lord. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Let us be faithful and courageous and follow you in whatever you have for us. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you that it proved who you are to all people and to us even sitting here now. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.